you to turn to the book of Ephesians, <coughs> and we are walking through this book together. I would like to read the text for today, which is <coughs> verses 3 through 14. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. That is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Well, our text this morning begins with the word but. <clears throat> and that means something's being contrasted here. And so if we were just back up just a, a couple lines here. He says, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and live a life of love. Just as Christ did that by offering, giving his life as an offering and sacrifice. So live a life of love. But, he says, in contrast, he says in verse 3, among you there must not be even a hint of sexual morality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's people. So let's just kind of walk over, a, kind of a flyover view here in just a, a couple, three minutes of, of what's being said, and then I'd like to come back and just focus on, on two or three areas as, as we have time. So what he's saying is, is that we are to live lives of love. That, that should be the predominant thing about our lives, is that we're living lives of love like Christ who offered and sacrificed himself. We are not to be living lives of sensuality. That's the contrast. We're not to be living sexually immoral lives, uh, things that feel good, things that give in to the, the, the natural desires of that old nature of our flesh, uh, <clears throat> pursuing things that are inappropriate and out of bounds according to God's design. Our culture calls it the sexual revolution. God calls it immoral. And so that's the contrast that we have here. 
Then he also says, live a life of, of love in everything you say. And the contrast here is, not a life characterized by thankless talk. He talks about talk that's obscene or coarse or jokes that are out of line or off color, things that make fun of that which is true and right. Then he says, don't kid yourself. Those who, who justify and promote and live these kinds of lifestyles and things, they are not followers of Christ. In fact, they are under his wrath, and anyone that tells you differently is simply filling you with empty words. God's wrath is coming against those who practice such things. In fact, he goes on to say, the reason God's wrath is coming is because this is idolatry. Sensuality, living off of our senses and the lusts of our flesh, is is idolatry, and the reason it's idolatry is because idolatry is serving any God other than God himself, the God of the Bible, the God of this universe. And whenever we begin to serve ourself, we begin to serve ourselves as God. And so idolatry is serving yourself it is a position of not submitting to God, and when we don't submit to God, then we become our own gods, as it were. And so this is what it means to live in, as Paul describes it here, this is what it means to live in darkness. He says, you have been called out of that into light. So God found you here in the dark, and now he's calling you to live in the light. And so he is describing that. He said there's a fruit that comes from the darkness and there's a fruit that comes from the light. And the fruit of the light is goodness and right living and truth. And so, in essence, this is what we have here in this text. So I'd like to go back and I'd like to first talk about his first point, And that is that one of the opposites of living a life of love is living a life of sexual immorality. That's where the Bible seems to start whenever it describes uh, a life apart from God. Sexuality becomes perverted, it becomes distorted, it becomes out of bounds, out of God's design. Now, I want, I want, I want to begin with a story <clears throat> that Matt Chandler tells. I, I told this a few years ago. But I just want to share this again because if I don't share this, some of you are not going to hear a word I say. And so I just want to say this. Matt Chandler tells the uh, story of a, a young gal in her 20s that he and his wife encountered. She'd been through a rough life, a lot of sexual promiscuity, a couple, three, uh, <clears throat> been in several relationships, and they were reaching out to her, and they, they, she'd begin to respond, and so they brought her to a concert. And it was a good concert. And however, at intermission, uh, a guy got up, and there were a lot of young people there, and so he was talking about sexual immorality and living a pure life and living in purity and all of that. And he, he, he takes a rose, and he uh, <clears throat> passes it around the, around the audience and invites people to touch the rose and to feel the rose, how soft it is, and look at it. And after about five, six minutes of this, while well, he continues to talk, he asked for the rose back, 
and the rose comes up and of course now the petals are broken and it's in pretty rough shape. And he lifts the rose and he said, this is what you do when you are involved in sexual promiscuity and, and you allow other people to use you. And he takes the rose and he, and he, he says, now who would want this? And Matt Chandler is just absolutely dying inside, wondering what's going through the mind of this woman that they have been reaching out to. And he describes in the story, he said, I wanted to jump up on the stage and grab that rose and answer the man's question, who would want this? Christ wants this. Christ wants this rose. And, you know, that is a true statement because when Jesus came here, some of his closest followers, some of his most dedicated, some of the gals who followed him and ministered uh, were very involved in, in, some were involved in prostitution, and they became some of the closest followers of Christ. So we know for a fact that Jesus wants that rose. And so we all need to hear that today, and if you're here, you need to hear that because the truth of the matter is that everybody in this room, everybody in this room has, sex, has stepped out of bounds sexually. We have every one of us perverted sexuality in one way, shape, or form, or another. So as you hear me say, your sin isn't special. We all have transgressed. We all have stepped out of bounds. We are all in the same place in terms of being accountable to God in this area of our life. However, you need, and we all need to hear the point. We all need to hear the point. There is absolute forgiveness for anything in your life, but Paul is saying, do not stay there. Don't stay in the dark. Step out into the light. In fact, if you stay in the dark and that's where you live, and there's, there's no battle, there's no structure, uh, struggle, and if you justify, then there's a serious question whether you've ever come out of the darkness at all. We need to walk in the light. We are being called out of this place of darkness. In fact, one of the responsibilities I have this morning in response to this text is to expose this area of darkness in our culture. It says, if you jump down to... Uh, if you jump down there, he says, have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. So who is going to expose the deeds of darkness? Well, the school's not. The school is going to promote darkness. <clears throat> I'm not saying everything in school is bad, but I'm saying in terms of morality and sexual immorality, the school is not helping our young people today. Uh, the government's not. Hollywood certainly is not. I mean, when was the last time you saw sexuality being promoted in a way that was, uh, you know, between a man and a, and a married couple? It's, it's very, very seldom that you see that at all in our culture anymore. Everything is outside of the boundaries that God has set. Most of people's friends growing up today, are not going to expose this. And so if, if the church doesn't 
expose it, there's no one that's going to expose the reality, separate the light from the darkness. And so there is a responsibility to preach God's word as it is given and to expose darkness with the light. Uh, a young girl writes to Dear Abby, she says, I have a serious problem. She said, I have a, a stigma in my school. And she said, I am still a virgin. And she said, I, I need some advice from you, dear Abby, to know how I can uh, find a guy and, and rectify the situation so I'm no longer a virgin and no longer carry the stigma. I think that's pretty sad. And now we have young children, we're telling them, you need to, you know, you need to decide whether you're a, a, a boy or girl. And to be honest with you, I, I call that downright abusive. To take a young child who's already struggling with identity and say, you know what, you may not be, you may look like a boy, but you may be a girl, and so you need to decide that. And the kind of con confusion that we create and that we are creating in our younger generation today is, uh, it makes me angry. <clears throat> Jesus said, anyone who would cause one of these little ones to stumble, it would be better for a millstone to be tied around his neck and thrown into the sea. Jesus got very upset about an adult culture which causes things in the lives of its children to stumble, and so should we. So here's the truth. God has designed sexuality as something beautiful, something very powerful, something very meaningful, something very pleasurable. It is an expression. It has a sacred person or a purpose in the lives of a man and a woman who come together and it is the symbol of a lifelong commitment of covenant marriage and love to each other. That's what God's design for sexuality is. Any expression of sexuality outside of that purpose is out of bounds and falls into the category of sexual immorality. In today's culture, to proclaim that and to stand on, on that definition of sexual purity is to put you in a category of being puritanical. I mean, people will laugh in your face. But that's the culture in which we live. And so again, I, I read the commentary of what's going on in culture. Romans 1, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen and understood from what has been made. So men are without excuse. So he says people see, can see creation and they can know that there's a, there's a powerful being out there to whom we are accountable. It says, for although they knew God, they knew this about God, it says they neither glorified him nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal men, birds and animals and reptiles. In other words, they began worshiping things other than this God who obviously created everything that is here. And so what is God's response? Therefore, 
God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. And they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is ever forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relationships for unnatural ones. And in the same way, men also abandoned natural relationships uh, <clears throat> and preferred one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves a due penalty for their perversion. In other words, God gives a culture over to perversion in the area of sexuality in all manner of means. Whether it be same sex, whether it be pornography, whether it be uh, you name it, whatever it is, we see that God gives a culture over, and that is the culture in which you and I live today. That is a very, very accurate of our description of our, our culture today. And what the text says is that sex outside of marriage all the same-sex stuff, all the transgender stuff, all the pornography, all of this stuff, legitimizing that, it says, is a deception and empty words. Verse 6. Notice what it says. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. The Bible continually, over and over again, <clears throat> Um, makes that point and just keeps coming back to this truth. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor those who practice homosexuality will inherit the kingdom of God. Galatians 5, 19 to 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry. For those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Colossians 3, 5, and 6. Put to death what is in your earthly body, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Hebrews 13, 4. Let the marriage bed be held in honor. Let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. And 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 and following. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to control your own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. And it goes on. The point is, Scripture makes it very clear that God has a design for, God has a design for sexuality. And when we step out from submission to God and his word, God gives us over to those sexual lusts and to sexual immorality. Now, people say, well, that's old-fashioned. Uh, we are more progressive today. The Bible says that's not progressive thinking. That's empty thinking. That's deceptive thinking. People say, well, you know, if you have consulting adults, if you have two consulting or consenting adults, What's the problem? I mean, who's it harming? Well, maybe we should ask the children of divorced and broken homes. Many of you know the trauma of all that. Much of that is caused by sexuality that's out of bounds. Not all marriages result from that, but it's a big part of many. 
Time Magazine a few, three, four months ago has a lead article on the front page talking about young men today in their 20s so steeped in pornography that when they, they get into a relationship with an actual uh, live person, they cannot even function in that area of their life because of the impact on, on just their brain and, and how that has impacted them. I mean, how about this one for those who say that in out-of-bounds sexuality, no one gets hurt? Uh, this is a website that's a very sobering website. And uh, this is running live. And in the upper left-hand corner, you'll see the abortions which are taking place as I talk. You'll see uh, how many abortions have taken place since this just came up on the wall. And about as fast as you can snap your fingers Little lives are being snuffed out because of most of them, because of out-of-bounds sexuality. We see that this isn't <coughs> something that does not affect those around you. Let me remind you what Paul says in verse 5, that this is a sign of idolatry. It's a sim symptom that God is no longer on the throne of our lives. So my first point this morning is that this text requires me as a pastor with this responsibility to expose the sexual revolution of our day for what it is. It's deception and it's empty words. And it will, and it is, destroying our country today and the fabric of our family in America today. You expose that darkness and you will be ridiculed. We're in a day where you may lose your job and that is the place that we have come to. Peter writes in 1 Peter 4, 4 and 5, he's talking about those who spend time in, in verse 3, he says, if you've spent enough time in the past doing what pagans chose to do, living in debauchery, lust, etc. He says, they think it's strange you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation and they heap abuse upon you you will get abuse heaped upon you if you expose this in the culture today. But he reminds him, but, he says, they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Verse 4, as we move on through the text, he talks about our speech. I talked about the importance of our speech to bless people a couple weeks ago. That God gave you a tongue to bless people and that moving out of the darkness and moving into the light means now you use your tongue to bless people and build them up, not, build them up, not to tear them down. Let me add another one to your list. God gave you a tongue not just to bless people, but he also gave you a tongue to be thankful. So he says, you know, your, your speech should not be coarse or obscene or, or inappropriate jesting and joking, but rather full of thankfulness. And so our speech should be thankful. When we're in conversations, we should be thankful. You know, there are so many things to complain about. I mean, we look at our world, we look at our news, we look at Washington, they're just, you could just chronically be complaining. But that doesn't accomplish anything. And God has given us a lot to be thankful for, even in the context of a lot of brokenness. And so we are called here to use our mouths to be thankful. 
and to speak in thankful ways. I'm not going to say any more about that whole area. We could take, obviously, another whole morning and speak to that. But that's another characteristic here of coming out of the dark into the light. Verses 5 to 7. Of this you can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. Now today, there are probably two kinds of people here. <clears throat> there are people that take grace and say, you know what, who minimize kind of sin and say, you know what, I'm saved by grace. It really doesn't matter what I do in my life. God loves me anyway. And who maybe are justifying living in the darkness and justifying it by God's grace. There are others that read this and have always had a hard time grasping God's grace and go, wow, maybe this is saying I must not be saved because I, I'm struggling in this area of, of my life. So that means that I'm, I must not be, have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And so we have kind of these, these two sides here where, where we struggle. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. <clears throat> Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that, he's talking to the believers now, that is what some of you were. But you were washed... You were sanctified and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit, uh, Spirit of our God. And so God is in the business of saving all kinds of sinners. And I think what Paul is saying is if, if you're walking in the dark and justifying the dark and, and calling, you know, the, the darkness light, Paul said, don't kid yourself, you, you haven't come into the light. Because if you've come into the light, you, you know, God's Spirit is at work in your life, and you are, he's not saying that you may not be wrestling with something in your life, but you better be wrestling with it. You better be seeking to come out of the dark into the light, and if there is no movement out of darkness into light, then we have to question whether we really have the Spirit of God in us at all. When we walk in the light, we reap the fruit of the light, which is right living and truth. When we walk in the dark, we reap the fruit of that as well. Let me just <clears throat> have time to mention one more thing, and then I want to end with a, a video clip this morning. You know, as Christians, we, we are struggling to come out of the darkness. So everybody in this room... Everybody in this room can probably identify an area of darkness in your life that you're seeking to come out of. So, again, you're not special if you're in that place. <clears throat> but I, I want to remind us this morning that, that we need to be intent and we need to be seeking God and we need to be doing uh, all we can and we need to be depending on God to bring us out of the darkness into the light because there are consequences to staying in the dark. Let me just mention... Some of them. Number one is when, you, when, you, when we live in the dark, we fall under the discipline of God. 
It's just like your kids. When your kids are being disobedient to you, it's not fun, is it? You're kind of on your kids, and you're, you don't have this, you know, when your kid just does, you ask them to do something, and they do the contrary, you're, you don't sit down and put your arm around them and say, oh, isn't it great? You have this tension between you and your disobedient child. The greatest pleasure in life, the greatest pleasure in life and what you were designed for is to be living in closeness with God. Um, when, when you and God are together, when everything in your life, you're doing everything you know God wants you to, uh, and you are in complete fellowship with God, that is probably the most pleasurable place to be in life. And when we're not, you know, when we, when we live in the dark, then we sacrifice that, that joy of fellowship because now we're in tension with God because we're in disobedience to God. And so now we're in pain in our lives and what do we do? You know, we just seek other pleasures and we get off and we start pursuing all the other pleasures in life until we repent and, and get back into that greatest pleasure in life which is to just be connected with God. And so we see here that that's one of the consequences of staying in the dark is that we, we forfeit that pleasure in our life. There's another one. You know, the Bible reminds us that we will be accountable for every word and every deed. I, I don't know exactly what that means, but the Bible makes it very clear that I'm going to be responsible for every word I speak and for every deed I do. And that should put a little fear into all of us as we live out our lives. And then thirdly, you know, there's always forgiveness and there's always consequence. There's always consequences for sin. God will, you say, well, God will forgive me. Yeah, he will, but you know what? There will always be consequences, and not just in your life, but in the people around you, and it will impact others. It will impact your children. It will impact your friends. It will impact your church. And so we see here the importance of stepping out of darkness into light. One final thing, verses 11 through 14 it says that we are to expose the deeds of darkness. That does not mean that any of us in this room has a right to condemn or to sit in judgment on somebody else. You know, if you're going to stand with a sign that says homosexuals go to hell, you better stand on a sign with your own sins that declare that your sins will send you to hell. Because we're all going to hell because of our sin, and we are all have the opportunity to be saved through our faith in Christ. And so we need to be very clear about that. Everybody needs Christ. Because everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We do not have the prerogative to sit in judgment on anyone. However, having said that, our culture today is saying that we cannot make, that will call us judgmental if we make judgments on what is right. We are called to make judgments on what is right and what is wrong, and we are called to proclaim the truth of what is right and what is wrong. That's very different than sitting in judgment and proclaiming some kind of punishment on other people. Only God can do that. But we have a responsibility to discern and to judge what is right and to stand for and to expose truth from error, light from darkness. And you do that in this culture. 
And uh, I think we know today what happens in this culture if you stand, even take a stand, to proclaim what is darkness and what is light. Well, I want to end this morning bringing us back to the admonishment, and that is that we are called, we are called as God's people in the light to live a life of love. To live a life of love. Living out of the lusts of our flesh is not love. You know, Hollywood proclaims that as love. That's not love. Love is very, very, very different. Love is sacrificial. Love is giving. And uh, I just came across this clip, and uh, I, think you'll, I think it makes the point. This is a great definition of what love really looks like. <clears throat>
care about how things work anymore. It's the reason why things work is because it's love. So if there's something a lot greater than energy, there's something a lot greater than entropy, it's the fact that it's the greatest thing. That's what makes it all the why is So in that great big universe that we have, all those stars, who cares? Father, this morning we are reminded of the kind of <coughs> life that you call us to live, a life of sacrifice, a life of giving, a life of putting aside self, a life of understanding that the lusts and desires of our flesh are contrary to the life of love and the life of light that you call your people to. And that when you saved us, you called us to something different. And so, Father, might we understand, as the text says this morning, might we understand what pleases you. And, Father, we know that it pleases you when we love people, when we are willing to sacrifice when we are willing to set aside personal desires and personal pleasure for the sake of those around us. So Father, we pray that you would continue that work in us. Pray for anyone here today in whom you want to start that work who needs to open up their life to your love expressed to them in Christ Jesus and the sacrifice that you made for them and the selfless act that you made for them on that cross. And Lord, for those of us who have been blessed by that gift and by that sacrifice, may we understand 
that to be like Christ is to do the same. And so do this work in us, we pray. We thank you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for coming. You are invited to Connection Cafe. And uh, again, thanks for being here.